He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Happy Friday! Today is round two of the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro. We'll get to some of today's storylines in just a bit. And the legend himself, Jim Nance. Hello, friends. We'll be joining the show in about ten minutes. Make sure you're around for that. Meanwhile, down the road at Wofford College, the Carolina Panthers return from their first off day of training camp, and they're set to finish their first full week in pads with the scrimmage tomorrow morning. Now, believe it or not, I've crunched the numbers here. Well, I didn't crunch the numbers. These official stats come courtesy of the Charlotte Observer day-to-day. I just added them all together. Here's where I believe things stand at quarterback after looking at the numbers. Baker Mayfield's already beginning to separate himself from Sam Darnold. You won't hear that from the coaches. The players won't talk about it, but you can tell. You could see it with some of the video, whether it be the goal line fade, the Terrace Marshall Jr. for a touchdown that we saw two days ago, or the deep ball that's been the play of all of training camp to this point to Robbie Anderson. Don't really pay much attention to what they did today. Sam Darnold had three touchdowns and Baker had a handful of touchdowns. That's all seven on seven. That's like 11 on 11. There's red zone stuff, no rush. That's the most important thing. Not really a rush that you're facing. The valuable snaps this week happened on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But don't just take it from me. This is Matt Rule pretty much affirming that. I do think, obviously, anytime you're in team periods, you know, you have a rush around you, that's that's way more, you know, applicable than than seven on seven you know seven on seven it's like to me it's not a competitive drill it's a teaching tool that takes you to the team periods uh you'd like to think that anybody who's going with the ones is going to you know sometimes play a little bit better but sometimes with the twos you're you know we have a pretty good defense over there so we just try to look at it straight across the board over time and again it comes down to you know who can who can function within the scheme and has great scheme mastery uh, who who has production? Who leads the team? And then uh, you know who who takes care of the football? And then finally, who manages the situation? Great quarterbacks show up in the red zone. They show up in two minutes. They show up on third down. Yes, team periods. That's where you learn those things. That's where these stats come from, and that's where Baker Mayfield stood out. Let's get to him. Sam Darnold getting less attempts with the ones throwing the ball than Baker. Twenty six throws for Baker Mayfield to eighteen for Darnold. How did they do on those throws? Well, Baker, 67% completion percentage. Sam Darnold, 61% completion percentage. Baker Mayfield, six touchdown passes. Sam Darnold, three. You heard him talk about the importance of taking care of the ball. Darnold, two turnovers. Baker, just one turnover. Mayfield's numbers are better at a time, mind you. Darnold should be a lot better. Darnold should be a lot better than Baker right now. He knows the personnel. He had all of OTAs. He had the entire offseason to get to know Ben McAdoo in this offense. Baker Mayfield has been around for a month and a week, not even on the roster for the Carolina Panthers. Yet, he's picking it up. He hasn't fully picked it up, so he's only going to get better from here on out. And I think we all know to this point what Sam Darnold is. Or more importantly, who Sam Darnold isn't. I really do think there's a scenario, Will Dalton, WD, the executive producer of this show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600 on this Friday on Twitter at WSJS Radio via email, thedrive at WSJS.com. I think there's a scenario that Baker can lock up this job in T-minus a week. You have the scrimmage tomorrow, more padded practices leading up to the first preseason game eight days from now against Washington, and if Baker's clearly better... There has to come a point where Matt Rule looks at it and says, it's hurting us that we're splitting these snaps. One of these two quarterbacks need the snaps, need as many reps as you can get. If you know that one guy looks better than the other and that guy turns out to be the one that's only been on the roster for a month, you need to give that guy more reps. That could happen a lot sooner then I think the coaches are leading on. What do you think? I, can't, I don't even have anything to add to that because that, that's how I feel. It's like, if Baker is your guy, and he's still relatively new, like he needs to get as acclimated as he can 
by week one. Baker Mayfield beginning to separate himself, and we're starting to get data. We're starting to get numbers on that. Who was the old NBA coach, David Fisdale? Pick that for data. That's what we got for you today on this Friday. Shifting the golf. I've got good news, and I've got bad news. Well, maybe some good news. I'm looking at two pieces of good news. I'm looking at my TV to my left. Will Zalatoris just buried a birdie. Hey, it's good. He's getting ready to close his front nine. The bad news for Zalatoris is he's at even par, which might lead to what we get to in a second. The good news I was going to get to is Jim Nance is going to join us in about, a fi about five minutes. That's pretty cool. Talk some golf. He's been in production meetings with Baker Mayfield. Maybe he can give us some thoughts on that too. The bad news I was going to get to, kind of like what we just saw here with Will Zalatoris, who is at even par right now, it's not looking like we're going to have a star-studded weekend in Greensboro. Many of the fan favorites that struggled yesterday also are struggling today. Many of the fan favorites. My guy, Harold Varner III, not going to make the cut. Ricky Fowler, third time playing Greensboro, not going to make the cut. Jason Day withdrew before his round today. So obviously, he's done. Zalatoris, right now, I'm looking at the projected cut line. He needs to finish at least two under par the rest of the way just to make it inside the cut. And he's got 10 holes to do that. So it's possible. The projected cut's minus two, and he's at even par right now. Webb Simpson, don't really love his chances right now. Same thing for Davis Love. Davis Love, he's at plus two, so he's not going to make the cut. Webb Simpson just got to even par as well. He's about halfway. He's about to make the turn. It's looking like a lot of the guys that we root for year to year at this tournament not going to be around for the weekend. And when I look at the top of this leaderboard, that's when it really starts to bum me out a little bit. Because among... The top 20. I'm looking at the top 20 on this leaderboard right now. I see exactly one player who's ranked in the top 30 of the one uh, of the world golf ranking. That isn't to say there aren't guys in the top 30 of the world golf ranking in this tournament. Will Zalatoris is 11th, 10th or 11th. Huh. You, you know, Sung J M who currently sits at eight under, one off the lead. You got Brandon Wu. You've got uh, you've got J.K. Kim. That's right now at nine under. Ryan Moore, who won this tournament back in 2009. That's a three-way tie at nine under for first place currently. The guy who was leading with nine under par, shooting a 61 yesterday, John Huh, right now is plus three through uh, 10 holes. When I look at this leaderboard, I, I don't you don't see a lot of the top-ranked players. Disappointing performances for many of them. So you have seven or so guys who are ranked in the top 30. Only one right now is ranked in the top 20 of the leaderboard. Now, there are some familiar names that are in contention. Like Zach Johnson is floating around at five under par. And he's four shots off the lead. Just floating. JT Poston, a guest on this week's show. Just floating. He's at five under as well. Billy Horschel always seems to do well in this tournament. He was on the Adam Gold Show this week. He's five shots off the lead at four under par. So there still are some names there, but largely a disappointing leaderboard, if I'm being honest about it. It's the news of the world's greatest entertainer, the hardest working man in show business. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of the show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. I'll tell you what the newest 30 for 30 is going to be in just a few minutes. First, we need to see how WD is experienced watching the Paul Thomas Anderson classic, There Will Be Blood, starring Daniel Day-Lewis went. This is one of those movies, and that happens with PTA movies. Some people really like it at first. Some just are kind of mad that it's very long and... 
might be a bit of a bummer. And other people hate it and never want to watch the movie again. Those are the options generally when it comes to There Will Be Blood. We'll see where what Camp WD falls into. Oh, snap. There's a fox right in the middle of the fairway at the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro. I'm looking at our screen right now. And now it's just hanging out on the pine straw. And my guy's going to, he's going to try and two-putt this one here. John Huh, who was plus three on the front nine, and he's birdied a couple on the, on the back, but seemed a bit distracted, you know, by a fox. What were we doing? Oh, yeah, talking movies. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine! But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At The Movies with Will Dalton. Okay. There Will Be Blood came out 15 years ago. I thought it was good timing for WD to watch this. We're taking submissions now of what movies Will should watch a week from now. Send those in at WSJS Radio on Twitter via email, the drive at WSJS.com. And by the end of the show, we will figure out what movie Will's going to have to watch next week in At the Movies. What did you like about There Will Be Blood? Just how much Daniel, like, What's the actor that plays Daniel again? Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day- How much he sold out, like, to, and you were explaining this to me, and this is why he, there's so much space in between his movies that he does. And the character you're talking about is who? Daniel Plainview. I'm an oil man. Yes. And it, it just, because it isn't a very rewatchable movie maybe to some this is my associate hw and it is heavy his acting is very heavy because it just and what i think what i like most about it the theme is just how much you it shows what power and money and greed can do if you allow it to take advantage of you and right up until the end of the movie give me the scene you like (laughs) the ending was something Oh, in the I bowling alley? I did not expect that. When he reveals Homeboy to be a fraud and yeah, and then bashes his brain in with a bowling pin. Well, I liked it Spoiler because... Spoiler alert. I, I liked it because it was the milkshake. It's 15 years, by the way. Yeah, that that, that line doesn't come till the end of the movie. But I, I drank your milkshake. I wasn't expecting the... I drink it up! See his brains get bashed in by a drainage, brain. drainage. <laughs> so yeah, I quote this movie it was a, a sh- lot. Like you'd think most of the movies I that people quote, hey, it's like fun movies, you know, like Anchorman or The Hangover, comedies generally. No, I quote this movie quite a bit. Like I'll finish my meal and be like, I'm finished. I just do it. And I can't help it. Anytime I have a milkshake, I, I've probably done this with Sarah Bradford and she has no idea what I'm talking about. Why are you drinking my milkshake? Has she not seen this? I don't know. There's no chance that she's seen this movie. It's not a Sarah Bradford movie. (laughs) No, it really isn't. No, I don't think it is. It's not a great date movie, but 2007, a great movie year like a lot of really great movies came out i'm gonna pull up that list while you tell me the things that you didn't like about there will be blood a batman movie came out that year right Uh, i think it did uh, i think uh dark knight was 2008 hot rod came out that year 15 years hot rod these are movies that are 15 years old yeah super bad came out 2007 knocked up 2007 michael clayton 2007 the thing i didn't like about this okay Eli has terrible timing when it comes to asking for money. Hmm. Like, because that is part of why he gets his brains bashing by a bowling pin, and that that because he's coming, he's a radio preacher now, I think, and he's you know, he's trying to sell some. And then he come uh, earlier in the movie, he comes out to the oil spot, 
asking for money and Daniel just slaps him across the face and humiliates him and drags him through the dirt. Right. He, he has terrible timing. And uh, I don't think he's supposed to be a smart character. I don't no. think he's, smo- he's supposed to be that. And it shows. And I can't emphasize this piece enough. That that actor is Paul Dano. Okay. Uh, great decision to have Paul Dano be the guy and not like a Hollywood heavyweight uh-huh. because you don't want somebody we already have baggage with there. He has this baby face. Yes. Paul Dano does. That's just perfect for his kind of led astray, fraudish, dim character. No Country for Old Men won Best Picture this year. Shot at the same spot at the same time as There Will Be Blood. Juno came out this year, too. Yeah. So a lot of movies. No. Uh, like I said, a really good movie year, uh, 2007. Favorite quote from There Will Be Blood? It's the final quote of the movie. I'm finished. I'm finished! Which was funny because you, you brought you gotta that say up. It. You got to say it like it, though. You can't just say uh, my favorite line was, I'm finished. I'm finished! That's it, yeah. I, I'm finished! Well, and it's just like, because he really is finished. <laughs> he's finished. Like, he's done. Do you want Jesus into your heart? Yes, I do. And it was just, I, I guess, everything that that quote symbolized. Like, mm-hmm. you just murdered your brother. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're just, you're, you are finished in more ways than one. I don't know. I don't know if he gets busted for that. Well, and and I was I was reading through some of the comments like on Twitter, and some people were saying like this might not be the first time this is something like this has happened because the butler just is very casual like no no you no good? Like, no 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 yeah this he's a serial murderer this right guy like, and and so the butler like might have helped him out before like maybe like th- this sort of thing isn't unusual. Great movie though about America, about greed, and some think about capitalism. It's a little heavy, though. It, it is oh, a little yeah. heavy. Which All right. What do you think it was scored by the audience on Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh. This might be the most tricky one yet. I'm going to go with an 82. 86. Not bad. If you're within five, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, we'll it's get, not bad. We'll get to so, that later. In 86, we're going to play... Yeah, we're going to bring the movie game back with Darren. If you don't know what that is, it's where we all try to guess what the audience score is. You better not have There Will Be Blood on the list because no. I just gave you what no. that one is. And we will play uh, the movie game with Darren later in the show. Uh, I just said that twice. Getting to that 30 for 30 news that I promised. The next 30 for 30 is going to be about Bill Walton. Now that is going to be good. Because it's not just about Bill Walton, this magnanimous, strange person on television that's been a bit polarizing in recent years, albeit that's probably going to be featured at points of the documentary. No, it's... It's about his basketball career. And just on the basketball angle alone, I think the documentary holds. Just if you wanted to make it all about sports and what he was as a player, there is a documentary there with the, the injuries that he's had, the the run with the Blazers to win a title, um, playing for John Wooden, his run-ins with John Wooden, the lessons he's had. Being on one of the greatest teams ever, the 86 Celtics. I mean, he was an NBA MVP one year. I don't think people, especially young people, know that he was that kind of good way back when. Losing to NC State in the 1974 Final Four. David Thompson winning a a championship from Norm Sloan in the pack. But then you got the personality piece of this, which is a (laughs) no-brainer. He's got a personality that's just going to make for an interesting documentary, period. And I love Walton. The The funny thing is, here's what I've noticed about Bill Walton on TV. His relationship with fans who watch him on TV. He's broadcasting the game nationally, which means your appeal needs to be to a larger audience, not just the two fan bases that are watching your game. 
And Bill Walton is the perfect announcer for a national audience. Number one, because he's a name. But number two, he entertains the larger audience that's watching the game. The only problem with Walton is the people that can't stand watching a game that Walton calls are the fans of the teams that Walton is calling, right? The game, Walton's calling. If Walton's calling a Carolina game, Carolina fans aren't going to like it. If Carolina fans are watching a game that doesn't involve Carolina that Walton's calling, they probably enjoy that. Why? Because Walton has no interest in calling the game that's in front of him often. And he's talking about like bear feces or something. And that's very entertaining to me. But if you are wanting to know what exactly is happening in this basketball game because you're invested in your team, that might not be the broadcast that you're looking for. Just maybe. You're on the air. Wake up with Jeffrey Griffin and Triad today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. I'm going to be honest. We're halfway through the show on a Friday, and it feels like it. My goal is not to mail in the last thirty, last 90 minutes of this show. It's hard to. We've been packed today. Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. We had Jim Nance on earlier. We've lived up to our end of the bargain. If we mail it in after all the great guests we've had this week, you can't blame us. Go on our podcast channel. Find the Jim Nance interview. That's where the Mac Brown conversation's at. John Curry. We had Sean Clark this week. We did our part. And bringing you that glorious, precious, all-elusive, precious-as-gold hashtag content. It's what we give you. It's what we bring to you on a daily basis. So rather than continue to talk about producing content, how about we just, you know, produce, produce content? End of the week. I'm talking way too much. I'm gas-bagging. Let's try to... Tighten things up a bit, be a bit more concise, and keep it simple. Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple. Headlines for the week. WD going to serve them up to me, but before we do that, it's Friday. Let's get a dance break in here. Jim Nance hanging out in the club. Of course. All right. Where else would Jim Nance be? On a flight to Greensboro right now is what I'm being told. (laughs) (laughs) What is the first thing we're going to be recapping or summarizing? The Deshaun Watson ruling and then the NFL appealing. (sighs) Bad news for the Panthers. Huh? This is likely going to drag out in federal court. Remember when Tom Brady, you know, went to court with the NFL and the four-game suspension didn't happen for the 2016 season, but then, or for the 2015 season, and then was handed out in the 2016 year? Do you remember that? Because oh yeah. A good point. The NFL eventually wins, but it takes some time. If the NFL just accepted the six-game suspension, then that's it. He's going to be suspended six games. Now that this is going to be fought, I'd imagine, by the union, and this looks like it's going to go to court, I don't know if that all gets done in less than a month or a little bit more than a month When by the time the Panthers open up their season at home against the Browns. So you might be looking at a Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield showdown week one, which television networks would not frown on, but the Panthers probably will, as will a lot of football fans or casual football fans. Next up, the racetrack revival in North 
Wilkesboro. Mm. That night was an achievement. There are some people who talk about this issue as if it's just the starting line of getting somewhere. And that somewhere is having NASCAR races, whether it be the Xfinity series or trucks or what have you, back at North Wilkesboro, that's what they see as being a real achievement. No, no, no. Looking at the video, I wish I was there on Tuesday, but looking at the video from it, that alone was an achievement. The racetrack looking that way, a way it hasn't looked, I would say since 1996, but probably even longer than that because that racetrack was losing its way a little bit by the time NASCAR was walking out of the door. Uh, that was spectacular. And if you would have just told me, if you would have told me even a few years ago before the pandemic that we would have a night like that at North Wilkesboro, I would not have believed you. That was special. And regardless of how this thing shakes out, you will always have that night with Dale Jr. watching on in a scissor lift and he's going to be racing at North Wilkesboro later on this month, we think, in a number three sun drop car. Oh, the nostalgia. And you got Kevin Harvick there and Bobby Levante's racing and Ryan Newman is winning a race. Very, very cool. It was an achievement. Live Golf offering Tiger Woods somewhere around 700 to 800 million dollars. Ooh. Great public relations for Tiger. This I don't think anybody's surprised that Live Golf's throwing that type of money around, but Tiger's people didn't have to say publicly that they denied it while attaching a figure. No, it was Fox News sitting down with Greg Norman and Greg Norman confirmed that figure, the ballpark figure of 700 and 800 million dollars somewhere in that range and said that Tiger turned it down. Which makes Tiger look awesome. It's kind of like the end of Superbad. You've seen Superbad, yes? No. Oh my gosh. Send us in movies. It might even be that one. That WD needs to watch for next week. Well, I thought and Rocky we'll figure was out next by the week. end of the show. Yeah, you. <laughs> no, just by the next time the Corsi joins us, that we're gonna make you watch Rocky. Ah, I got you. Right, we're not gonna have the Corsi on next week, so we'll get we'll get to Rocky for sure. But send us movies at WSGS Radio for WD to watch in the meantime. But there's a scene at the end of the movie. This isn't spoiling what happened, where. McLovin, the beloved McLovin, gets carried to the cop car and he's kicking and screaming and saying, You coppers! You need to get off me! And all the all the girls who are at the party are looking at him and thinking, Wow, this guy's crazy. This guy's cool. Wow. What a BA, this guy over here. Do people still say that? I think they do. Because I never heard it until just then. Boom. Um, so... It kind of does give off that vibe from Tiger. Wow. He turned down 700, 800 mil. That's free PR. And it's great PR. It makes you look awesome like you're some moral high authority, even though it's the same dude who cheated on his wife with at least 18 different women. Sorry to take it there. What's next? (laughs) Sam Mills finally taking his rightful place in the Football Hall of Fame. Hmm. An inspiration, but deserving player. Everybody talks about Sam Mills as if, okay, maybe not everybody does this, but this is the sense I get where it's like the NFL is turning Sam Mills into a -a make-a-wish kid, which again, all for charity, all for inspiration, all for make-a-wish, you name it, but That's not why Sam Mills is getting into the Hall of Fame. This is not charity. Oh, it's his last year. The guy died of cancer. That's that's not what this is. If it was, I wouldn't have the greatest issue with it because keep pounding is so important to the Panthers and all of it, and that being enshrined to Kent would be really cool. So that would be cool. But 
He is more than that. That statue was put up in front of Bank of America Stadium in 98, five years before his cancer diagnosis. He played incredibly as a guy who wasn't supposed to be there. 5'9". As a linebacker. And so many important moments sandwiched into three years. You would have thought he played a decade with the Panthers. But that's what he is. He is an inspiration, but deserving player. That part can't be lost, and I hope it's not lost tomorrow during the ceremony. Had to save this one for last. The Mac Brown wrestling promo. Oh. Max, very good at this. He understands the media very well. If he wanted to cut a great promo, he could have. But he didn't because he knew that Sean Clark was coming on the show. And he didn't want things to be lost in context. No, it, it was smart. It was smart for Mac not to go all in with the wrestling promo. He is really good at this stuff, which is what we appreciate when we have him on the show, that he's an interesting guest every single time that we get him. That's been Keep It Simple for this week. Another dance break. Hello, Fritz. Hello. Wow. Hello. Nice shot. Well, hello. What was nice shot? I. Uh, milkshake. I drink it up. That's the Wii Golf. Nice shot. <laughs> You're such a nerd. It's outstanding. I knew I heard it from somewhere. I didn't know where. <laughs> We're gonna play the movie game with Darren Vot later. That's gonna be fun. And we need another movie. For Will Dalton to watch next week. So 336-777-1600. Tell Will what he should watch or on Twitter at WSJS Radio. Places, everyone. Come on, places, please. We're ready. Get your morning off to a great start with Jeffrey Griffin on Triad Today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. As promised, we need to talk about the crazy round that Will Zalatoris is having right now. Wake Forest alum playing at Sedgefield, highest ranked player in the world golf ranking that's in the field. And he started his round with the bogey, which had us all thinking, oh, here we go. Mm, probably not going to make the cut. Not going to end well for Will. And that tone continued when he took the turn at 10, bogeyed that hole, and then on the following par four, bogeyed that. At that point, about an hour ago, Will Zalatoris was at two over par. And the cut line, going to end up being two under to make it to the weekend. Well, what's happened over the last hour is kind of remarkable. On 13, he buried an approach shot from the fairway. From the fairway on a par 4 13th. Just sank it on two hops. That's an eagle. And then on 15, which is a par 5, he got it to the green on two shots. And then, with movement from right to left, then breaking left to right, he hit what was probably close to a 35 to 40 foot putt. Now sits at two under par. He's above the cut line right now. Just missed a birdie putt on 16. That's the par three. Probably my favorite hole in the course at Sedgefield. If he holds out even, he should be available to play for the weekend, which is really good for the Wyndham. Darren Vaught now joins us. We still need to figure out what movie... WD is going to watch for next week. We made him watch There Will Be Blood this week. He loves all the great zingers and quotes from it and understands many of the things I say on this show now, which is appreciated. 
Darren Vaught. Before we get to movies, it was the Major League Baseball trade deadline this week. Which team... Is it, is, is it just so obvious to say that the San Diego Padres were the biggest winner because they got the best player? Yes, yes. Oh, well, and it, they got the best player in Juan Soto, and it doesn't even do the trade justice to say that he was the best player available at this year's trade deadline. Josh, with the contract that's left to be played for Soto, the one that they they assume that contract – and his age, you take that into account, 23 years old. He's a top five player easy in the game. You've got him for, if you're the Padres, potentially three playoff runs. He's yours for two and a half seasons. And you also, the day before that, acquired Josh Hader, who is maybe the best closer in, in baseball and one of the best closers of all time. It could be, there is a fair, very reasonable argument that Josh Hader's the greatest closer of all time. Is there a team that you're cheering for more in the National League than the Padres, considering that market is not a market that does a lot of winning? I, I love I love the San Diego-LA rivalry with the Dodgers. Um, Fernando Tatis is going to be back here in the second half. So he's going to be healthy. That's just going to be such a fun lineup. So the Padres, certainly I am rooting for, I, I want them to have success because I think it's going to be good for baseball. Good. Another one though, Josh, who also had a pretty good trade deadline, even though they didn't really go like go for it all is the New York Mets. They, the Padres could have done what the Mets kind of did in saying, okay, our star player is going to come back from injury. Yeah, they traded the for Jacob DeGrom Tatis. at the deadline, right? Like they just got, yeah. they got DeGrom. That was their big ad. <laughs> they get That's DeGrom good. back, right? And he's DeGrom. <laughs> he, he, he is the greatest pitcher on earth. Um, but they went out and got a couple of bats in Tyler Naquin, who had a couple of home runs yesterday for them, I believe it was. For, from the Reds, they got him. Former Carolina they, Mudcat, great. Yeah, and they 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 poached an, another good hitter from another bad NL Central team in Daniel Vogelbach from the Pittsburgh Pirates, who is one of the the best at not chasing outside of the zone. Sneakily, one of the best at doing that in baseball. He's a big husky guy, easy to root for. So when he hits a bomb like he did yesterday. It's just, it's a fun home run to watch leave the yard. So I, I like the Mets, uh, what they did. They sort of added some some ancillary pieces. They didn't go out and get a, a big star like they maybe could have. They were sort of in the mix, uh, rumored to be anyways for Shohei Otani, but they just didn't have enough to offer the Angels as no one else did. Um, so yeah, I like the Padres and Mets to be both to be fun and teams that I'm going to root for in the NL. I'm kicking myself for earlier not asking Jim Nance about Vin Scully who passed away this week, but he did reference um, the passing of Vin towards the end of our conversation. But when you uh, think about Vin as a huge baseball fan, but not a fan of the Dodgers, and somebody who has broadcasted baseball for a lot of your adult life, what is the best way you put into words doing him justice at the same time, the life, but what we're talking about here, the career of Vin Scully? I think there are layers to it, um, as there are with most things. First and foremost, you have to say to yourself, okay, this guy was the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. 21 years old when he was hired. 67 years. Jackie like, Robinson look, was on the roster. Look, man, like up. Connie Mack was managing <laughs> when Vin Scully started his broadcasting career. Vin Scully spanned from Connie Mack, which is like the beginning of, of baseball as we know it today to Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and uh, you know, Justin Turner of the, the LA Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw, they just all the, the, the recent names that, you know, that is insane. It is incredible 
that his life and career spanned that length. I'd like, I, I don't know if I'm going to live to 67. I don't know. Look, man, I, I love broadcasting games. I can't guarantee you that I would enjoy it for 67 years. I mean, it's remarkable what, what that alone says about Vin's career. And then you take into account that, I mean, he was, he's the best to ever do it. And, and there's a, there's a subjectivity to, to the industry that everybody is aware of. Uh, Vin, I think for the most part was universally celebrated as if not the best ever, whatever, maybe he had, he had detractors there. Um, very good at what he does and, and worthy of the respect and, and adoration that he gets. He did it solo <laughs> like that. It's unheard of now. Everything about what Vin did is just so unheard of. Nobody does anything for longer than 6.7 seconds. It feels like the guy was in the seat for 67 years. Um, the, the industry has changed to a point where no one's in a booth solo anymore for a, for a big time broadcast, but he was so good. He sort of, he sort of not, he didn't demand it as a, a person. He would have gone along with it. Had someone said you need an analyst, but, but his, his command of the booth dictated that you leave him solo because he was, he was that good at it. So, um, I mean, there, there are so many other things, too, that you could say about Vin. Just a, uh, a remarkable career in, in a lot of ways. I'm trying to find a story. Someone had to have done this story when he retired, uh, finding the oldest player that Vin Scully broadcasted in his first season with the Dodgers, and then the youngest guy that he's broadcasted now and today... <laughs> Like, just understanding what that range is. Because if the oldest player in the sport in 1949 would have been, let's say, 40 years old, then you're talking about not, the span being players who were born from 1909 to probably 2000, right? Yeah, or, or, or like 1999, right? That's crazy. <laughs> that, that is truly insane. Not as insane, but insanely fun is the movie game, which we're bringing back. WD watched There Will Be Blood this week. He liked it too, which was an upset. Now let's play the movie game. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. It's time for some kind of movie game. All right, all right, all right. With Josh Graham and Darren Vaught. Show me the money. And here are the rules for those who don't know. WD has pulled four movies. We might only need three. And you have to try and guess. He's going to throw a movie at us. How it was received by the audience. What the audience score is for these movies. Zero to 100. And however many points we're off of is our score. Golf style, the lowest score wins. If you get it on the nose, you subtract five off of your score. We're all pretty aware of the rules. Let's try to add, let's try to get this thing done nice and cleanly. Hopefully there's no, you know, tension, no fist fighting in the parking lot after this is finished. What is the theme this week? The theme, because I watched There Will Be Blood, is gonna be movies either with Daniel Day Lewis in them or directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. So we're gonna be stereotypical here and we're gonna start off with Lincoln. Ah. Lincoln. You've seen Lincoln, right, Darren? Yeah, I saw it back when it came out. Um, what was that, like 2012? 12. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I was, right. I was, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I'm trying to match it up with other things in my life in 2012. Yes, all right. <laughs> um, enjoyed it. He's, he received a lot of praise. I. It makes sense that, Will, you would say you were doing this stereotypically, right? Because I think to, to a younger audience, this is when he started to, like, gain some attention which For is sure. interesting let's get this out of the way how many of these movies have you seen uh <laughs> i've seen bits and pieces of none Lincoln. of them you've seen I'm, none of these movies in their entirety no okay no no 90 percent is what i'm going with for lincoln all right 90 darren 
Wait, I had 88. We were uh, close again. We do that a lot. You do. The score is 81. Oh, that's low. That is, ooh, that is, I well, thought I was going to be low. We're still in single the, digits. These are, so. these are all audience scores. Okay. Yeah. So, so the audience uh, didn't we, like the, we it, know. the. It was we very long. Yeah, we know the rules yeah, here. Guys, WD. <laughs> uh, yeah. Set. So Darren has seven. I have nine. Yep. To get things started. What's the next movie? Last of the Mohicans. Oh. Man. That movie has to be thirty years old now, probably. Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Easily. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe close to. I guess no. I guess somebody. I wonder if this was a Paul Mooney Chappelle show joke. I think it was. I want to make sure I give credit where it's due. It's like, really, Daniel Day Lewis is the last of the Mohicans. <laughs> like, oh, Tom Cruise is the last samurai. Samurai, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I forget what the the punchline of the joke was, but I think it it might have been like. Uh, the Last Woman on Earth starring Eddie Murphy or something. <laughs> Last That's, of the I Mohicans. Thought that, I thought that was going to go a different direction. Like, uh, you know, the movie Short Circuit with mm -hmm. uh, number Johnny Five or Johnny Number Five, the robot, and his creator is supposed to be Indian in it. But he's, I mean, it's an incredibly white guy and they just, they just, they do something you would not do in 2022 to, to make him appear and sound Indian. Uh, they do a number of those things. He threw an accent on, you know, he went all brown face. Last uh, of the Mohicans. Um, <laughs> another Daniel Day-Lewis movie. What is your favorite Daniel Day-Lewis performance? I know you're Kings not talking to me. York? I'm not talking to you, WD. You've seen one Daniel Day-Lewis movie <laughs> because I made you watch it this week. <laughs> Gangs of New York. So you're going with The Butcher. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. For me, you know uh, it's Daniel Plainview. It, it's yeah. got to be like, I am an oil man. I don't know if I could say the B word on the radio. It starts I with B. drink your milkshake. I drink it up. I'm finished. Okay. <laughs> Last of the Mohicans. I'm going to go 78. For last right. in the Mohican. No, it's better than that. I got a 90. This is also me trying to play to win. So. Here's the score for last of the Mohican. 88. No! Oh, ho, ho, ho. Darren's making up. He's starting to spread out his lead a little bit. How many points is he up by right now? Uh, You have 19 and Darren has nine. Okay, so I'm still within 10, so I just got to at least stay even with Darren here or make up a little bit of ground to force a golden movie. So are we going to get a Paul Thomas Anderson movie here? What's the next movie in the movie game? Licorice Pizza. Oh, I love the Licorice Pizza. Love it. Love it. Mm -hmm. Damn, this is going to ruin me in terms of the game too, though. Oh, Oh, that's a great point. This is going to be interesting what happens Cause I, here. Because I, I think, I like, I would wager to say I like this more than the general public. But mm -hmm. I'm going to, I, uh, wow. it's always tough for me. I, Talking I about, like, to... a 15-year-old dating a 25-year-old that might, like, drive down your audience score a little bit, you think? <laughs> Maybe? It's a good movie. Whatever. It is a great movie. I love it. Um, Licorice Pizza. That came out last year. I loved it. What are you going to score it? I'm going 80 even. I got 77. It is 65. Okay. I made up three on him. That means we got a golden movie. That's what's important. That's what's important. <laughs> within seven of Darren Vaught, that's what I am. Within seven, going into the final movie. What are the scores I have? Darren has how many? You, you, you moved 24. back. You, you got 24. 24. And I have 31. And you have there 31. There we go. There we go. <laughs> you moved quick on me on that one. Uh, last movie, golden movie. Hard Eight. I'm going to be honest. Haven't seen Hard Eight. I, yeah, I was, gonna, I was about to say the exact same thing. Well, Hard Eight. Give your best guess then. Hard Eight. This is... Um, this is Paul Thomas Anderson. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I know. I know. Samuel it was, I know. It was, I know. It was critically acclaimed. Yeah. Part eight. But does that mean this I mean, was like tw- twenty? You remember? You remember twenty one? About the, yeah. Am uh, Jeff Ma and the MIT gambling counting cards? Like yeah. Stuff. That's that. I think I've starring I've, Beefy Bryson B D D Shambo. Oh wait, that wasn't him. But apparently <laughs> he can he can count cards according to him earlier in the week. Like this movie, it's a classic '90s movie. I just haven't seen it. <sighs> yeah, that does not help me. Not okay. you haven't not seen. It. I haven't seen it either. Which you got a score written down? Clear. Um. Yes. I'm just gonna choose a completely random number. Sixty nine percent. Totally random. No reason at all. You chose that. This could get spicy. I got seventy five. Oh boy. I'm up by seven. The difference oh, I here think, is six. Uh, no. If I, I have to get it on the nose. I think that's a, I think that's just what has to happen. You what is it? The, the score nose. is eighty three. No. Darren Vaught has won the movie game. Now it's time for him to get a moment of zen. I forget if I told Will Dalton to cue that up. <laughs> Did I tell you to do that? What am I queuing up for this? Woohoo! Some music. Oh, he does have it. He does have it. Darren, tell the people what's up. Wait, did you think me mouthing it just now was was the the noise? No, I thought it actually. I thought he actually had it. Do we have okay, it? Okay, just making sure. Okay, fire it up. You got to give me a second to pull it. Oh, never mind then. We don't have time then for that. Then you don't have it. Then you don't have it. Uh, he looked at me like he had it. He looked at me like he had it. <laughs> okay, so Darren Vaught, we will talk to you next week. Congratulations on your movie game win. Here's what your prize is. What movie is, Dar- is WD going to watch next week? Who, all right, he already did Godfather, right? Yep. Loved it, by the way. There's one obvious choice here. The one that you wanted him to watch last time, but we didn't. Swingers? He hasn't seen Swingers. No. I it's the perfect it. movie. There you it's go. It's not the perfect movie. It is a perfect movie. Vegas, so, baby! Vegas! Watch Swingers. All right. Swingers it is, is the movie for next week. And then Baby Favreau and Vince Vaughn. For those unaware, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, uh, I'm afraid to ask if he knows who Vince Vaughn is. Yes, I know who Vince Vaughn is. Just checking. Just making I sure. I probably shouldn't get upset. It by wouldn't that. be just the craziest be... thing no. that you've said. Do you know who John, Fa- you know, who John no. Favreau, the oh, well, Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's directed Star Wars. This, yeah, this is, he would not have John a, Favreau. he would not have a career if it wasn't for that, this movie. John Favreau. Here, so. He and he and Vince Vaughn like did not have the proper proper licenses. All right, save save that for save that for later. We're gonna save one. that. All right, brilliant, Darren. Later, bro. All right, see you guys. That's Darren Vaught.